welcome to Tales from Behind the Veil. I'm Patrice Catan, and I'm an expert in the fashion, bridal, and event planning industry for over 40 years. And I'm Leah Haslidge, Patrice's producer and sidekick. On today's episode, we have Judy Allberg, head assistant of the legendary bridal design company, Eve of Milady. We'll be discussing bridal dress sizing, silhouettes, and if you should, go see-through. Hi, how are you? Good, Judy. How are you? Perfect. I'd like to introduce Judy Allberg, who is the head assistant of Eva Milady. Now, you might ask, who's Eva Milady and why is she on my podcast? Well, Judy, why don't you just tell us? Well, I was very fortunate about 10 years ago. I interviewed with Eve at her design and factory in Union City, New Jersey. And when I walked up the steps and saw her whole operation, I said I was home. And I said, wow, you know, here is where everything began all those years ago with the cutting tables and the graders and sewers and everything is so hands-on that there's nothing like this in the industry today. And I felt very fortunate being a part of it and being a part of her team. And we've been building the business ever since. I mean, everything is incredible. Well, she's a great designer, Judy, correct? She is. And she's probably one of the only ones left. And that's very sad because the youth today does not have a true history of what the bridal fashion industry was all about. No, and she studies every bead on her dress, every everything that's hand-sewn is done by her. And I don't think a lot of the um, brides out there know how special that is. It is special. And she uses that, you know, she feels like she's a part of every bride's life. But that's what we're missing today is tradition. I know girls today, they go into a store and they want to try on, I don't know, how many dresses. And then they walk out and they feel overwhelmed, you know. And it's a big problem in our industry today because a lot of the girls should only focus on on narrow picks, you know, the different silhouettes that, you know, they rather look at a picture and say, okay, I want to see this instead of seeing what's going to fit well on their body type. Well, this is where I come in with the podcasting and I so appreciate you coming on because you're another icon in the industry. Oh, God, an icon. Well, you're an icon, (laughs) Judy. Wait till till Jim hears this, that you're an icon. (laughs) You tell Eve you're an icon. Thank you. (laughs) But getting back to that, uh, this is, uh, again, like I said, a reason for the podcasting. Right. Because what... I am hoping to do, along with professional people like you, is to tip the board a little bit back to the 80s, 90s, even 2000, to enhance the girls on what this is really all about. And also enhancing the stylists to be able to be really trained when a girl walks in the door 
to know exactly what style would look good on them. This is an asset to girls. Well, it's it's very hard to size the customer. It's very um, difficult. It's very hard. Because in today's way of fashion, the girls don't dress up a lot. So this is, they're shell-shocked when they come in to put on a wedding gown because they don't know what to do with it and how it really is supposed to look. And yes, they have ideas they want. And you show them pictures and you pull those gowns out. But then you research what really looks good and you bring that out. And that pretty well sews up the sale. But they still need education. Am I correct? Absolutely. Education is very important because, you know, what happens is, is that the consultants are so overworked, you know, and I'm really very, very sensitive to them. You know, you're there dragging all these dresses in hopes that one is going to click. And, you know, and sometimes you think you found the perfect dress for the bride. And she says, I have another appointment elsewhere. And it really deflates their enthusiasm, you know, and it's important to say to them, thank you, you know, uh, for all their hard work because they have to go back and do it again the next appointment. And they have to be upbeat and, you know, all happy, you know, and I've been doing this, oh God, for 38 years. Um, And, you know, to me, every bride is special. I look at, it never gets old. You know, I look at a bride, the minute she says yes to an Eve dress, I feel, you know, oh my God, this is, we're, we're part of her journey, you know, and 50 years from now, she'll look back at the dress and say, wow, I still love it. You know, I mean, that to me is an inspiration. It is. That's very much true. Judy brought up something I think is important to touch upon. We haven't actually talked about this on the podcast yet. Judy mentioned sizing in bridal. And it becomes a big shell shock for brides when looking for a dress. I know in my experience working for Patrice at her salon and then all the way to um, being a bride myself— you know, you have in your mind what your normal size is. And a lot of women that don't have experience in bridal already don't realize (laughs) that the numbers are far different. So can you touch upon sizing in bridal? Well, sizing in bridal was determined, I can't tell you how many years ago, 60 years ago? (laughs) Correct. That's back when they wore corsets. Yeah. And they were, you know, obviously the uh, bride that's either domestic or international, you know, sizing has changed. It used to be where the average bride was a size 10. Now the average bride is a 14. So, I mean, I instruct my stores to get 14, 16s, have a size range. So you have Uh, what to show a small bride and what to show a normal bride and what to show a curvier bride, you know. Um, And it's important, even in my price, because I'm in couture, okay? And, you know, what makes us 
special is that we don't sell to every single store out there. We keep it very narrow. So when a girl comes in, she knows that she's buying something that's not going to walk down the aisle, you know, uh, with her other friends or, you know, it, it's it's a special dress. And we do sometimes customizations to make it that way. So she has a dress that nobody else has out there, you know, and a girl wants to feel special. That's that's really important to us, you know, when we're dealing with our customers. And um, anything that we could do to help our stores to accomplish that, you know, I always say I'm available 24-7 because, you know, if a girl is in a dress, you want her to get the answers right then so she can make her decisions. And it's very, very important. That's true, Judy. And, you know, we did that in the salon when I had the salons, we did that all the time. Right. What we did is we would order from small, medium, and for the curvy bride. And, you know, that makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. And the sizing, too, um, when we size, uh, there isn't a lot of seam allowance. Now, in Eve's dresses, there's probably more because they're custom. But in the national market, a lot of them are mass-produced, and the seam allowance is nothing. So a lot of times we have to take that in consideration when we decide on a size. Well, also with mass-produced, you, you know, not every style is the same. You can't always depend, you know, that everything is going to be consistent. Correct, because if you cut 20 at a time, the one at the bottom, it could be smaller or could be larger. And right. as it goes up, it changes sizing even by a quarter of an inch. But that's a lot uh, when you are ordering it on the wire to fit exactly. It doesn't work. But you always want to order a little bit larger because it's easier to take in than to take out. That's correct. And sometimes what we do is that if a girl is above our size, uh, we go up to 24, okay, but if she's uh, 26, 28, or 30, or whatever, we do custom sizing where Eve will make a dress for her. So, you know, you know, because the girls who are larger today or curvier want to wear, you know, um, a beautiful custom dress as well. And to me, I'm, hey, look, I'm not, I would be considered a curvy bride. I was a curvy mother of the bride two months ago, you know. There you go, Judy. Yes, there you go. Are they more true to size now? Because, like, when I got my dress, I was an average 4'6 in just regular women's clothes. But my dress was a 10. So is it It still the the kind of sizing? Yeah. It's the same. It depends. You know, if you're dealing with the moderate or the, um, the moderate market, they're a little bit more roomier. When you're dealing with the couture market, there's still more, you know, because there's so much construction in the dress. Fit is very important. I always say to a girl, Eve is magical on how she makes a girl's waistline look so thin, no matter what size you are. It, it She's just got her pattern. She's her own, you know, she does her patterns by her own fit. 
she's her fit model. I mean, I never, you know, it's she's amazing that way. But um, no, the curvy bride right now is very important. Very important. And we need to service them because they want to feel good about themselves. Oh, and they should feel good about themselves. Oh, without a doubt. You know, and I encourage stores if they do have the budget, because a couture dress is costly to buy a sample small and large so they don't lose a sale. Yes, that ends up being a hard decision uh, because, like you said, Judy, when you deal with couture, you're dealing with a higher cost of the product. And you have to really think how you're going to service people if you're going to carry it. So you almost need two different sizes to be able to service properly. You don't want to turn anybody down. Oh, no, no, no. And that's why I make myself available because I want to make sure that any questions that these consultants have you know, are answered so I can help close the sale. Right. And you're very good at that. Look, trunk shows are important. I'm not saying trunk shows aren't important because it gives you more variety on what you have. Right. Explain to the girls. I don't even know if they know what that means anymore. Okay. Because in the industry today, I see trunk shows, but not like, remember, we used to do them like once or twice a month. Right. They're not even calling them trunk shows anymore. They, there's a different term for it now, isn't there? It's a, they're called events. Events. But there's not a lot, Leah. No? I mean, not like there used to be. I was say, there used to be all the time. Oh, yeah, we had them. Well, in, in the higher end, trunk shows are done almost every weekend. Right. Okay. Uh, our dresses are traveling from state to state, store to store, you know. Um, and let me tell you something right now. With the cost of shipping, mm. it's so expensive right now to invest in these shows in order for girls to see your product. So it's, you know, right now these events happen, um, they're usually three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and girls make an appointment and they even ask to see if a particular dress will be there in advance. So it can help, you know, if the girl has what she wants, then, you know, the chances of her, her buying are 50%. <laughs> but right now, a uh, event which happens in your state or city is important because it gives you more um, variety of what you might want within collections. And we, you know, a lot of our, we have in our line, in the Even My Lady line, we have three collections. We have Boutique, we have Couture, and then we have Amalia Carrara, which is Eve's namesake. You know, that's it. And Boutique is the one that's widely distributed throughout the internationally and domestically because it's the opening price point. And a lot of the girls want to see all different parts, carryovers, you know, anything, because stores can't have everything. Right, no. Because it's costly. You know, I mean, it, it really is. It's very costly. And, and you know, too, um, this is an interesting podcast, girls. Listen carefully. 
because you are getting a history of where fashion started in the bridal industry. Yeah. I don't think it's out there enough for the girls to really understand the behind the scenes. And it doesn't matter, am I correct, Judy, whether it's couture or mass production. Um, There is still a history behind everything that goes on in the bridal industry. It even mandates the mother of the bride dresses Mm -hmm. and the bridesmaids because everything needs to correlate. You know, it's funny, but there's a lot of books out there uh, about the history of wedding gowns. And I find in educating myself with them, we will see styles now that were in the early 1900s. Yeah. Now, am I right, Judy? And I I bet Eve's already done this. But the big push now is the Grace Kelly look, which is stunning. It's timeless. Mm -hmm. Even if you turned the bottom into a trumpet, you would still have that luxurious top that Mm -hmm. is to die for. I feel like Kate Middleton helped bring that back. Yes, she did. You're absolutely right. Peppa's dress had the higher collar. Yeah. Peppa. President Biden's granddaughter mm-hmm. had wow. the most gorgeous dress yes. and the same idea with that high collar. Mm-hmm. And again, it's ironic in today's day and age that the Grace Kelly look would come back around, Judy. How, how Everything you, is cyclical. It is cyclical, but it seems Everything. like a little bit way over the tradition well, side. Patrice, they finally heard you hate the naked dress and like... Yeah, I do hate the naked dress. They, they did the finally hear back me. around. I was like, all right, Patrice is right. No more naked in front of grandma. <laughs> Let's I mean, cover every up. time they would come in and tell me to cut the lining out of their dress, I had to have a drink. I said, we can't. <laughs> I said, we can't. Do- I, what, I said, what did you just say? Well, I don't want the lining. I said, well, I do. What are you doing? <laughs> so, I mean, I, they look at me like, oh, okay, Grandma, what do you mean? What do I mean? It doesn't work. You can't go down an aisle looking like that, okay? <laughs> okay, it was tell a, that to a lot of the people who are going down, down the, the aisle. aisle with nothing under the dress but the sheer lace. And you know what? I respect them for their opinion. I just think they're mix, missing out down the road. They're going to look back. And that's going to be a fleeting memory of that type of design. You know what? Everything has um, a past, a present, and a future. I know. Well, it should go in the past. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why is it going in the future? It doesn't belong anywhere. Maybe on the moon. You know what? Can I tell you something, though? What wasn't in the 90s and 2000s is the social media. And right now where we grew up with magazines. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Because when I saw Eve of My Lady, I I still remember getting all the bridal magazines out from the library and looking at her gowns. Right. Oh, stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. And I worked for Brides Magazine myself. Oh. As a manager for six years. So I was part of that 90s where I worked there and it was fun. I can't, uh, I have to say it was a a fantastic time in my life. 
Well, remember, Judy, the parties at Tavern oh, on the Green? And we just, would discuss fashion. It was fashion. magical. It, it was, was magical. magical. It, yeah. it really was. And all the designers were there, and they talk about what they're doing next. And Absolutely. And da-da-da-da-da. And you could go home and actually service your clients with this in mind. Yeah. Because we also need to be educated what's coming next. You don't know. No. And everybody we dealt with in the industry is creative. They're very highly intelligent, creative beings. Let me tell you something. Here I am 10 years ago coming to Eva, my lady, and she didn't have Instagram. I believe it. Okay. Or Pinterest. The new magazine, Pinterest. Right. Okay. Right. And Facebook was marginal. Okay. Here. So we had to revamp everything. And here I am, I went and took a class at a local university on how to do social media, okay? And now I do all the social media for Eve. You want to do mine? (laughs) (laughs) No. I hit buttons and it goes wild. I don't know. (laughs) People ask me questions, I answer, but I don't know where it's going. So again, I'm learning along with you. I mean, all this is new to us. Thank God I connected with somebody who does help me, okay? Thank God. Uh, Thank God, okay? But we do it together as a team, and it takes so much time and effort because a lot of the questions are coming through social media these days. Absolutely. That's about the only place they're coming through. Right. And dealing with Pinterest is, uh, is unique as well, you know. Right. And I tell all my uh, people that are listening to my podcast, and I hope it's a lot, please tell all your friends about it. But I am willing to answer any question you have. Mm-hmm. It's important. If I don't have the answer, I know all these good people, just like Judy Alberg, that can <laughs> give me any information that I want that maybe I am not sure about. But we can direct you. You know, weddings are supposed to be happy and not anxious. Girls stress too much because the oh. emphasis is on everything to be perfect. Nothing in life is perfect. No, no. You know what it is, what brides have to realize is that you could be as organized as possible, doing lists upon lists upon lists, okay, for that special day, that once in a lifetime, hopefully, okay, day. But things are going to happen. And you've got to be, you've got to be able to go with the flow and you've got to not stress over it because it's going to happen. You know, just little things, whether, you know, the florist or the caterer or something, you know, the tuxedo or even the dress and alterations comes in too tight. Okay. It all can be rectified. That's what I tell them. Okay. You know, when I was in um, the salon business, I would tell the brides this. You have a problem, we will fix it. Yeah. Done. Right. That's the answer. Right. Nothing is a problem. Nothing. We step back. We looked at the issue. 
down to we used to go to churches when zippers broke and replaced <laughs> them before they went down the aisle. Right. I thought that we we should have really bought a rescue van and just filled it with sewing <laughs> equipment because this is very possible. Oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> I, I said, well, what we're going to do is you're going to go back into the bride's room. The priest will have to wait. Let him stand on the altar. We're going to give you a zipper and you're going to go down the aisle like nothing happened. Right. And this is what we were noted for. And I think that's the fun part, that you're able to make a bride happy. What do you say, Leah? No, I fully agree with you. But, it's, I mean, it's easier said than done because I remember that stress when I went through it. Um, but because you put this pressure, I think you have like this image that you, you know, some people grow up, grew up like Lily wanting to be a bride, right? Right. And you just get fixated on what you're going to look like and how it's all going to be that I think you kind of, not purposely, but you just become so obsessed with the idea that you just automatically put that stress on yourself when you don't need to. I agree. Because it is all going to work out. You know what I mean? Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Patrice has mentioned in the past, I'm curious what Judy thinks too, about when you do go that first time to look for that dress, not bringing an entourage with you and keeping an open mind is always so important. But what other steps do brides need to be considering when going for that dress? Which probably is the most stressful part of the whole thing besides dealing with family. I wouldn't go, I would make it extremely personal. Meaning that I would, depending on your relationship and stuff, I would take your mom and um, maybe one other person with you. Because what happens is when there's too many people, there becomes too many decision makers. And then it takes away from the bride because it doesn't become about her, it becomes about them. This is your day. It's, you know, you, from the time you get that ring on your finger, it becomes, a journey, <laughs> okay? And it should be special. And, you know, note the journey, you know, with pictures and an album, you know, because it's always nice to look back on everything with a, you know, with a smile on your face. It's a good time of your life, you know, and it shouldn't be about, 
your, you know, maid of honor or your matron of honor or about your mother-in-law or sister or anybody. It, this is about you. And if you have too many people, you can't decide on what you like. The fun for me is, um, you know, a girl comes in with pictures of what she thinks she's going to look good in. And then when it's her first time buying, you always say to them, have an open mind. Think about, you know, different silhouettes because you don't know what's going to complement and bring out your beauty, okay? Because every single bride is beautiful. That's right. You know, it's really important to look at yourself. Look at what you, parts of your body are going to be enhanced by the silhouette that you choose. And I always say, you know, I love when a bride never even thought about an Eve and puts an Eve on. And then she obsesses because she can't, you know, she thinks about it all the time. And, you know, she she may leave the store, but then she'll come back and say, I have to have it. You know, to me, that means a great deal because it means that whatever effort Eve has put into this design is incredibly important to her bride, you know, and it's important to me. You know, I, I take pride in every single dress that goes out the door. Every store to me is important. Every owner is important. Every consultant is important. I, I don't know. I don't mean it's very emotional to me. It is. It's very emotional. I think we were raised that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we care about people. Uh, we care that they have a good experience and oh, sure. that they have a beautiful wedding. And we try to make it a happy occasion, like we talked about. Too many people, when you're trying on gowns, is really a disaster, and it takes away from the bride. Yeah. The bride is the vocal point, not mm -hmm. everybody's friends and whoever they decide to bring. Everybody has different taste. And what happens is they're applying their way of looking things on you, and it might not be your way. And, you know, it's a special time. You know, the other thing, Judy, that sometimes used to bother me is the fact the world sees the dress even before the wedding. This this should not be. This just should not be. No, and I agree with you on that. And I even talk about them when they get to the church. Um, we used to do something really cute um, where they never got out of the limo until everybody was seated. They weren't in the bride's room. The bride's room is chaotic. Everybody's touching the dress, <laughs> touching her hair. Uh, I mean, the bouquet is always in the wrong place. It's never where it belongs. I think they should just throw it on the floor and leave it there because it hides the whole front of the gown. Right. And I, right. I don't know who's teaching them this, but it's all wrong. And we'd leave them in the car. We'd close the doors. We would sneak them in. And nobody else was allowed in until she got in the bride's room. And nobody saw her. This is what it's all about. Absolutely. It's about creating a play. And the play created is a play of your life. Mm 
from the first day of your wedding. Absolutely. And this is what it should look like. And and the bouquet, pretty soon I'm going to design something that goes the opposite direction down, not up. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how I'm going to do that yet, but it's coming, girls. So just keep an eye on the next set of podcasts. You're bound to see anything. Quit covering up your chest and the upper part of your dress with your flowers. It's awful. Don't make Patrice hunt you down. <laughs> you know what you could do? You could do what they used to do with the proms, and they probably still do, is have a little corsage oh, a wrist and corsage? walk down the aisle. <laughs> it, that's <laughs> correct. Actually, that wouldn't be bad. No, it's not. You know, um, if you remember Kate Middleton's uh, wedding, and I, I believe this is the right way to perceive it. She had such a tiny Lily of the Valley bouquet, you could hardly see it. It served as the accent, but it wasn't the vocal point of her gown. No. And it's not supposed to be. And now they're going back to the large bouquets with the air fern that's from 1920. Whatever, yeah. And you got to be careful with some of that. It could stain the gown. and. You know, all I see is a bouquet, and this is wonderful. I love floral. I designed for over 50 years, but there's a time and a place to do it. Right. I mean, right now, can I tell you something? So many girls are concentrating on, you know, the after dress, you know, um, for the after party. And... They don't realize that here you, you know, bought this beautiful special dress. They need to keep it on for the majority because of pictures, because people are, um, you know, still taking pictures with their iPhones and everything throughout the wedding. So don't all of a sudden the middle of the wedding leave and put on your second dress because it really takes away from, you know, this dress that you painstakingly chose. And, you know, don't, that's all I have to say, because I see it, you know, I've been to many weddings and they're running, you know, in the middle of the wedding to get changed. They should wait really to for the, you know, right before, let's say the dessert or whatever to change. I agree. I agree. You know, Judy, it's been a pleasure you're wonderful, and you're a wonderful friend to come along on this escapade that I've created. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> In wrapping up, give them um, a little insight on Eve's lace. That's very interesting. Okay. Eve designs her own lace patterns. She draws and she creates them, and they're her own Every single dress that she has out there is designed by her hand. Every little stitch and beadwork is all done by her. It's phenomenal. It is something that is uh, precious. Oh, some of the dresses can take 700 hours of hand beadwork to do. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. All the uh, pearls and Swarovski crystals that she does, you know, and she is so ahead of her time 
that, you know, some of the dresses are so inspirational. That's the only thing I can think of. That's the, that's the word. Yeah. Um, she is an artist. You go into her own home, you know, you see everything in there has her hand and touch. She is just um, an incredible person. Yes. She's also a pianist. Oh, God love her. She's self-taught, you know, uh, like five years ago, she started teaching herself the piano, and now she does musical pieces. God love her. She, she is just, she keeps on evolving. And well, I think it's good for all of us. I mean, we're still evolving, right, Judy? Right. She's somebody who I so admire. Yes, I know she's very respected. Because she keeps on designing things that are so unique that... You, you sit back and you don't get bored. You, you, each girl that comes in just says, wow. It, it's, it's a wow. When you walk down the aisle, that's the biggest thing you want. You want an aha moment that you have a gown to remember. That's right. Well, Judy, you've been a pleasure. Thank you. Again, I thank you for <laughs> tagging along on my adventure. And also, I need to hear from all of you what else would you like to see or hear? Please let us know. And we thank you for listening today. Again, Judy, thank you. Thank Eva Milady for letting you come aboard. Have a nice day, everybody. God bless you. Love and kisses. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Frank Bird and the production team, producer Leah Haslidge, that's me, and audio engineer Dave Douglas.